How's everybody doing? Welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. So um, in this episode, I wanted to talk about banks dumping loans. Uh, if you checked out my recent uh, commercial real estate update, we talked about the office sector and we talked about how a lot of banks have, a lot of the bigger banks have big loan exposure to a lot of commercial office real estate right now. So the question is, and and one of like one of the big banks we looked at was Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs has a large amount of delinquency going on in their portfolio right now on commercial office properties, which are main which are highly concentrated in what we call non-owner occupied properties. So one of the things I wanted to look at was well, what is their what is the big bank strategy right now for dealing with this potential onslaught of delinquency in the commercial office? space sector. And so here's what's going on right now. So there's there's two big things happening. There are uh, kind of there's kind of a battle right now with regulators over what's called the Basel three endgame rules. And, and that basically builds into uh, banks capital and liquidity rules. Uh, so that is so effectively what it's going to do is it's going to cause banks to keep more capital on hand to have higher reserves of capital reserves. And that, you know, the more capital you have to hold, you know, that ultimately hurts your your bottom line. That's just that's just more money you got to keep in reserve sitting over here that you can't use to fund loans. So. Uh, so in preparation of that and so in preparation of these capital rules coming in and in preparation of a potential mass amount of delinquency in the in the commercial office space, banks have begun to try to sell off these portfolios. And so so we're going to take a look here at three articles that I wanted to show everybody. So this first article here is from S&P uh, Capital Intelligence, and this is called U.S. Bank's Growing Loan Sale Appetite Bolstered by Improving Pricing. So U.S. Bank loan sales are expected to surge this year as institutions increased sale appetite is bolstered by improving price dynamics. U.S. Bank loan sales appetite is surging as they look to offload risk ahead of a deterioration in credit quality, sell loans that no longer fit their strategies and get rid of loans that require too much capital retention in the face of new regulatory rules. M&A is also expected to drive more loan sales in 2024. Luckily, banks' increased appetite comes at an opportune time when long-term interest rates are falling, maybe, giving way for improved pricing dynamics, maybe. Uh, we think 24 will be a much more robust year in the secondary market. Well, I think it's going to be the uh, former rather than the latter. I think it's going to. I think this is going to be much more. Banks are going to be offloading to get ahead of the deterioration in credit quality, and then also the potential regulatory rules that are that are coming into play. So, um, and this goes on to say is right now banks are being much more intentional and more purposeful about what loans they keep on their books and the concept of loan sales definitely has come up more um as you know this company who basically advises on distressed real estate loans and said in an interview you know one major reason banks may look to sell more loans in 2024 is to get ahead of an unexpected credit quality downturn particularly among sectors already showing signs of stress such as the commercial real estate cre multifamily and auto lending in particular office commercial real estate is facing a lot of stress following a shift in office uh working after covid 19 and banks banks may see loan sales as a way to offload some of that risk um 
So there you have it right there. I mean, banks are definitely going to be looking to offload the risk. They're going to be looking to up, up the sales here. So let's take a look at one thing. So here's another article called Big Losses on Loan Sales Push U.S. Banks Industry-Wide Gains Down in 2023. Now, part of this is what I would call a natural effect, like in other words, uh, residential mortgages. So, so banks make the residential mortgages and then they package them. They sell them into the secondary market, thus offloading a lot of that off their balance sheets. So that's kind of a natural process. That's kind of naturally happens. So, so, but the, um, basically, you know, the, the re what this article says is basically the retail and wholesale one to four family mortgage originations for resales total about 84 and a half billion in third quarter down from 105 billion a year earlier, uh, one to four family residential loans at us banks totaled 93 billion in the third quarter down from 119 billion a year earlier and 267 billion at the prior peak in the third quarter of 2020. So that so the residential mortgage business is basically it's, it's going down and you can see that by the, the chart here that we're looking at. But here's the key thing, besides the slowdown in the mortgage loan sales, typically a reliable, reliable source of revenue for banks, yes it is, uh, net gains on low sales were also hit by several banks moves to sell troubled loan portfolios in the, in the tense months that followed a series of bank failures in the spring of 2023. Um, if anybody wants more information on those banks that failed, I suggest you go check out the crypto series. Part four is the banking uh, crisis of 2023, where I highlight and I go into detail that the banks have failed and why I think they failed and what the primary issues of that were. So if anybody's interested in, in learning or finding out a little bit more about that, go check out again, the crypto series, part four episode on that. Uh, but anyway, so loan sales amid restrictions. And of course, you know, Goldman Sachs comes right up here. They were one of the ones I highlighted in the commercial real estate episode. So as part of Goldman Sachs Group Sinks pullback from its consumer business initiative. Uh, so basically they got out of Marcus. They sold a bunch of loans there. Uh, Goldman Sachs reported a 600 million net loss on sale of loans and leases for the year. Uh, the Sonobis Financial Corp moved in July to sell 1.3 billion of medical office real estate loans. Um, let's see, and other loan sales, Capital One Financial Corp divested in approximately 900 million office loan portfolio, while Truist Financial Corp sold 5 billion non-core student loan portfolio. Um, other, banks, other banks divested loans in 2023, including Eastern Bank, which sold about 200 million uh, shared national credit loans. Uh, and then you got a couple other things. Cincinnati-based First Financial Bank said in October it sold 32 million in commercial real estate loans in the third quarter. So down here we got our chart. You know, top U.S. banks by year to date net loss on loan sales. You can see Goldman Sachs number one. They've had a rough couple years here and some of the, in selling. Um, Western Alliance Bank. They've had some big net you know net loan loss sales in 22-23 they that bank had a tremendous amount of problems earlier in 2023 almost failed but you know basically was still able to kind of hold on um let's see here um city group here you can see you know 2022 minus 936 million and uh in 2023 only 23 million but i'm sure they're going to be gearing up you know, I'm sure they're going to be gearing up some more sales there. Um, and then you had some banks that actually made some net gains. Uh, SoFi did a tremendous amount, uh, did some really good business here the last couple of years. I, I really like SoFi. I like their business model. I like what they're doing. 
Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about and more a little bit more in depth about SoFi in probably a, another in another episode. Um, so, so again, you're seeing this trend of like, okay, residential mortgage sales are going down, but banks are again they're they're looking to offload these troubled loan portfolios. So now, let's come into a. So this is an article from Barron's called "Banks Aren't Fighting Private Credit; They're Enabling It." So I, I just want to hit on a couple of things here. So the uh, the private credit industry hovers around 1.5 trillion today, up from 200 billion in 2000, with much of the growth happening in just the last three years. And this uh, private credit industry, which is basically like hedge funds, private equity, all that, that could hit 2.8 trillion in the next five years, according to analysts at, at CFRA. Um, you know, assets at banks appear to have flatlined, hovering around 20 trillion over the last three years. Um, banks, though, aren't simply watching as loans get siphoned away. Instead, many, including Wells Fargo, JP Morgan Chase, and Citizens Financial, are increasingly acting as intermediaries, matching borrowers with lenders, all in exchange for a piece of the action. While that creates profits for the banks who desperately need them, it also takes money out of traditional banks and into the shadow banking system where regulators have limited visibility into who is who is doing the borrowing and who is doing the lending, uh, lending some to worry about systemic risks to the financial system, especially if banks simply get simply get rewarded for making the connection, not the quality of the loan. Um, you know, and then it goes on to say, you know, private credit is not a new phenomenon, but it is a growing one. Since the financial crisis, lending activity has been uh, leaving banks as regulations have tightened, forcing banks out of some businesses while accruing to the shadow banking industry, which accounted for nearly 47% of assets in the financial system in 2022, up from 43% in 2008. Um, and it says basically that trend doesn't look any time uh, to change soon, you know, upheaval in the sector this spring has ramped up regulatory pressure for banks to adhere to Basel III endgame, a set of rules requiring banks to hold more capital against their risk-weighted assets. Implementation of the rules, which are set to begin next year, will constrain banks' ability to lend, basically meaning that banks will favor only the more pristine credits, putting small businesses and borrowers with unconventional credit histories at risk of losing funding. Private creditors, while charging steeper interest rates, much steeper, can guarantee funding as long as they feel it's worth the risk. Um, the new rules have faced criticism from Wall Street, um, but even JP Morgan right now is looking to partner with private credit efforts. Uh, it's also big business partnerships that allow banks to serve their client base without facing the same balance sheet risks were a focus of conversation in early December at an investor's day for Blackstone's uh, secured lending fund. Um, so um, it solves one of the biggest problems for banks, the mismatch in their short-term funding versus their long-term lending. Typically, this setup works, but when things unravel and depositors rush to redeem their money, the system fails, as was the case this spring when Silicon Valley Bank Signature Bank and First Republic Bank collapsed. By contrast, investors in private credit funds commit capital for the life of the loan, giving up liquidity for yields which recently had been in the low double digits, um, you know, um, in this interconnection that worries some critics of private credit, 
The debt doesn't live on the bank's balance sheet, but that doesn't make the banks immune from risk. Banks probably bear greater reputational risk than the private credit guys do. If a fund blows up, there's not going to be a congressional hearing. But the banks will be held to a higher standard if they, in essence, are involved in putting people into a fund or associated with a fund that has a disastrous result. So far, such fears haven't materialized, but those risks could emerge as private capital lenders uh, jockey for greater capital clout and returns. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether private credit ultimately becomes a public risk. So this, so this is what's happening right now. Basically, these banks, the big, especially the bigger banks, they are un unloading and they are going to continue to unload throughout 2024. And right now, these, you know, uh, this, this shadow banking system made up of alternative lenders, made up of private equity and hedge funds and everything. These guys are, are loving the business right now. They're just getting this ton of business. At all. It's all great right now for them. You know, the banks get to unload risk or, or loans that they perceive may have problems. The, um, you know, the, again, the alternative investment guys are licking their chops going, oh, hey, this is fantastic. We're going to get all this business, whatever. This is all great until it all blows up. And I, and I think, you know, the big banks are basically trying to hide from the from the problems that they know are coming. They're going to try to just, you know, offload this. And and then when it blows up, they'll basically just sit there and kind of wipe their hands of it and say, hey, you know, hey, not our problem. We, you know, we sold the loan to them. It's their problem. You got to work with them to figure out whatever your your loan issues are. Um, you know, and then the and then what will happen is these funds will go bust and then they'll be coming into the Fed, into the government saying, hey, we need a bailout. You know, we get you, you guys. We bought all these loans from the banks, uh, the banks, these evil, these evil SOBs. They screwed us. And 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 now, you know, you need to bail us out because all these people are going to go down to the toilet if you don't bail them out. And the Fed in the bail everyone out bubble that they've created will probably have to rush in and try to bail out a whole bunch of hedge funds and private equity funds. And so this whole thing could could become a, a somewhat of a, of a disaster. Um, I think, you know, regulators should be looking at this very closely right now. I mean, again, like the like these articles said, you know, private equity, they do not get as heavily regulated as banks do. So they you know, a lot. Of, so, again, the regulators are not going to be able to see kind of what's you know, what's going on there with that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, wait. Uh, yeah, wait till I get into my uh, kind of discussion on hedge funds when I review the Lords of Easy Money. You guys, that's, that's gonna that's gonna blow your minds uh, when I get into that. When you see what the uh, the hedge funds were doing in the repo market, um, you know, yeah, again, this is like you know, I feel like this is the old uh, you know musical chairs, or it's the you know, hey, we're just gonna you know hide the things around until the you know wait wait till the uh, the music stops and then and then who you know whoever doesn't have a chair is going to get you know you know they're going to get caught and it's going to be another another you know hot mess but um but so so this is this is what's going on right now this is going to be a theme throughout 2024 and it's something that it, you know we're going to have to keep an eye on and see kind of how this unfolds and what happens um you know i think again some of the regulators should be looking at this right now going going wait a minute you're not just going to you're not just going to dump all of your bad debt or all the things that you're going to go bad onto these private equity funds and these hedge funds. So then you can basically blow up all the funds. And, and furthermore, I mean, if I was a customer at one of these banks and I come in and I like need a loan and they're like, oh, listen, we can't lend you the money, but you know what? We got this 
hedge fund over here. We got this private equity fund over here and they'd be happy to lend you the money at, you know, 20 percent. You know, I, I yeah, I mean, what? why am I doing business with that bank? And why would I, why would I even continue to do business with that bank at that point? I mean, that's just, that's just ridiculous. Um, but, um, but anyway, uh, again, I hope this, again, I hope, I hope what people see here as I go through these episodes is that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing here is cumulative. In other words, all of these things build on each other. As you begin to break down interest rates, inflation, commercial real estate, we start talking about the performance of banks, net interest margin, uh, portfolio, credit quality, and everything like, you know, unloading these banks, the federal reserve, what the fed is doing, all these things, come together. And, and as, as all these things come together, you begin to get a better, a better picture of the health of banks, the health of the overall economy, how these decisions by the Fed, you know, ultimately dramatically influence, you know, what the banks do, how the banks do it, what goes on, and how that ultimately impacts small businesses, impacts consumers in the everyday market. So, um, so again, that's that's part of the journey here, right? With what we're what we're doing as we go through, as I break down all these, you know, these different things that are are happening and going on. Uh, you can't analyze one thing by itself. You got to analyze all these things together, and that is what's going to give you your picture of what's going on. But uh, but anyway. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to give a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to leave a comment down below. Uh, make sure to go check us out at our website at www.thebankernextdoor.com. We are on YouTube, Rumble, and all major podcast platforms. So like I said, please make sure to check us out. Make sure to spread the word. That always helps the channel. And uh, I'll be back to uh, with a couple more episodes for you guys real soon. Thanks a lot.